0: The record button has been pressed so it is time for joel's finding the flow like real philosophical sort of discussions you know when people get high <laughs> it's pure joel don't count your fans before
1: the hit <laughs> but we
0: hit a flow in the conversation um, i think i'm open I mean, my head. mind with i think i'm gonna hit Finding the Flow with Joel Franklin Hello, 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 hello Finding the Flow with Joel Franklin, welcome I am Joel, and hopefully you're finding the flow with me So, um, I am going to keep personal things out of this episode Because this is a very special one for me It's actually a re-release of a previous interview i uh i had the pleasure of talking to evelyn green um uh maybe three months ago and so it it was a it was a phenomenal conversation as you will hear um if any of you haven't heard it yet uh she is a fantastic woman um has gotten through a lot she's uh she's Come so far from what she started. Uh, she was a, a refugee from from uh, Czechoslovakia during World War II, and had a whole adventure of a life since. And uh, she really is articulate and just says it in such a exciting and and interesting way. Um, so I look forward to to um, sharing this one with you. Because uh she has passed away. she passed away about a month ago, and I believe it was the last week that I was working at the fellowship. I uh, spent the night, they call it the night spender who um who spends the night with the with at at the hilltop house, which is the care facility, and basically answers buzzers and and takes care of anyone in need like using the bathroom or or uh, falling out of bed or the world you know th- there's a whole lot of reasons why they might need help so either way the last time that I spent was uh when Evie we called her Evie um she was in rough shape she had come back from uh, rehabilitation um, a few times now at that point. And she really wanted to get back to the fellowship, but, you know, she was just um, declining in her ability to be able to take care of herself. And up till then, she had been quite independent. So I uh, basically went in to check on her And she was um, in a very rough state. Um, When I saw her in the state she was in, um, I knew that she didn't have much longer to live. She um, had uh, started, I think she probably had breathed in liquid into her lungs during a time while she was unconscious or something. I'm not really sure. It's very hard to get... um, food and liquid into their body when they're in such a state. And she might might have seemed like she had it, but it might not have actually gone down. And so so either way, I I think she was breathing really heavy and it's something that I've seen many times before. I mean, in my experience at the farm. But I've I've seen it also in, in my experience with people too that, you know, when that breathing starts changing like that unless something serious is done, you know, they're not going to make it. So under that time, uh, Evie's under hospice care, and so I, I uh, called hospice and her daughter, um, and hospice uh, said that I should give her morphine, which I did have available, and uh, I had a limited amount. They only give us um, a certain amount of controlled substances. The the night spenders, you know, we are not nurses. We are not even our an- our or nurses aides. We're just it's uh, the fellowship is a very unique place that way. And so, uh, basically, her daughter came, and um it was It was very hard to know what to do to help, but I called hospice and we got um basically the the um permission to give her morphing every um every fifteen minutes and uh but still, I think you know her daughter said something you know that i i really hit me i mean she she said you know i she she was in a little bit of a panic she she said um you know what what can we do what, how can, how can we t- do anything to help you know basically like she she said that she expected her mother to die in her sleep you know not not struggling and her mom was struggling, and it was it was very hard to you know try to console her and and do what I could because you know there there wasn't much beyond being able to say that sh- you know death is imminent and that uh, the morphine is probably making her you know not f- feel a thing though it might not look like it. So um, so that was what, you know, that was my part in, in that. Um, her daughter stayed by her side um, and uh, she eventually did pass away by the afternoon of the next day. Um, but, uh, you know, I did kind of feel honored to be able to help. Her in those days, especially as I did feel honored about having this interview with her. She was a very special person uh there was um something that I felt like I passed over. I've listened to this interview maybe five or six times it's just so so compelling to me i i I mean I'm not saying i I like to listen to myself talk forever, but i mean I like to listen to her talk, you know i mean it it's just fun to listen to something so good. And, uh, so, um, there was one point where she taught, said that she was in the encyclopedia Britannica and I kind of, um, just kind of went right by that. And I, I, I mean, I, as I listened to it over and over again, I'm like, wow, she said, she really did say that. So, so I, um, so I eventually asked her daughter, you know, what, what that was about. And she said that, uh, she, yeah, she was in the encyclopedia Britannica, um, because she had won some New York prize for her art. Uh you know, contest or something. I, I'm not really sure. But she, she basically her art was was a notable mention mention. Um and so that that's you know it's phenomenal. Um so basically I'll let the interview do the rest, but um you know uh Evelyn was a very special woman and I was um honored with the fact that I could be able to interview her before there was no longer a chance. Hope you enjoy. All right, so your your name is Evelyn Green. And um, how long have you
1: been at the fellowship? I've just come back from a fall in a hospital. Yeah. I didn't fall in a hospital. I came from a hospital. The, the, a rehabilitation? It's, it's good to be back. And when you see the facilities that exist, there is none that compares to this. You, you've had an experience of a different kind and of facility just recently. I've just made a tour of what my choices were, and there's no comparison. Yeah. And uh, it's important. It would help others to know that they are in a facility that is unique in every way
0: yeah i i I really agree um so we can get back to that, but um, like just tell me when was how long have you actually been here besides just just recently coming back? When did you first move to the fellowship?
1: I don't remember dates at all and was it years ago how many years ago? I have no idea. As, it seems when I look to back in time. It's completely distorted, so I can't say anything on the subject. Is that a new condition? Probably. Every day is new for me. Yeah. So um, when were you born? 11-7-28. 1928? Okay. Yeah.
0: So that makes you 88?
1: Isn't it amazing?
0: <laughs> yeah. So um, that's, uh, where, where did you come from? Where were you born? Yeah.
1: I come from originally from Czechoslovakia, via many other countries like France, and Germany, England.
0: You were born in Czechoslovakia,
1: and then on because of the war. As uh. as the uh, soldiers invaded, we moved on along with all the population of the area, like refugees. They were then called refugees. I guess that's what they were. If they had a vehicle with wheels, they were headed in the opposite direction. Uh, opposite direction of
0: of France of the soldiers of, of the, the invading. All, all, yeah,
1: mm-hmm. That's what uh, the average person did. Speaking of timing, we don't we have to
0: worry about garbage trucks. <laughs> Sorry. Very <about>
1: that. interesting.
0: <laughs> so um but you would have been in the like, that would have been late 30s, early 40s? Yes, yes. So, so you would have been, um, like in your teenage years, like you, were, you yes. would have been quite old, old enough.
1: Well, old enough to understand something and old enough also to, invade, to uh, envy people who were about four years older and had a much better comprehension of what was going on. Now Czechoslovakia is
0: now the Czech Republic and Slo- That's it. Yeah, and so which part were
1: I mean what what's that history there? Like what was it like? I in- don't know much about the present history except that they cut they seem to have cut it in half. Okay. As they have been doing for hundreds of years in that region. It's
0: very it's a very no man's land re- or not really no man but a lot of different tr- like people like groups of of uh, types of people right
1: yes like different
0: philosophical groups and, and whatever political groups
1: uh, mostly due to the numerous wars uh-huh
0: i know i uh poland was similar yeah there's it's like in between the west and the east
1: seems that way
0: yeah so um where did you run where did you reference you said you went to france were you walking uh, my
1: mother had a job in France so uh, with uh, the people who owned a newspaper and they gave us refuge in Paris In Paris so we went off to Paris and uh, eventually the Germans uh, invaded Paris so we went south where everybody thought it was safe south of France in southern in the southern region of France uh, they thought that there was a um, an agreement with the Germans that it would be a safety zone, and which it wasn't. But everybody headed south. Is your national? Are, are you Jewish and born? I have no religion, but my parents were Jewish and Catholic. Jewish and Catholic. So did that put you at harm's way?
0: When the Nazis were in Paris? Did that give... That put you in harm's way? Um,
1: No. We simply followed the majority of the people, which was uh, the route to safety, away from the fighting.
0: Yeah. Did you end up... uh, Did you find
1: safety in southern France? Yes, it was very safe. Good. And I went to school and learned French and went... uh, you joined uh, groups of people that represented France in the war and became a, uh, a scout of sorts of carrying messages from one section of the area to the other. Was this during the war time? Yes, I see. when people were killed around
0: us. So so basically, I'll get, so you were a scout, is that meaning in the wartime you were yes. sending messages to the That was part soldiers? of the
1: messages,
0: yes. Yeah, from what I heard, like, um, uh, Irena, you know Irena Robson? Yes. She told me about um, a message system for the POWs. There were prisoners of war that the only way they could get messages out was by... You know, scouts. And oh, stuff there was like a
1: lot going on backstage.
0: Yeah,
1: so. Um, and the uh, the locals were also had their message system. I, I yeah, I bet contributed in some in some way.
0: So did this this sort of lifestyle continue right to the end of the war? It continues today.
1: Oh yeah, sure. it never left my life. Personally, I felt very involved. Yeah. So what happened next? Well, did you one country after another, exactly. and the same situation—the homelessness, hunger, running, and openness to whatever was there, rather than fear. In my case, I think fear limits people in what they're going to do, where they're going to hide, or what they're going to be involved in. And to me, I didn't take it quite seriously. I couldn't understand it—the concept of war. Yeah. Was not part of my uh, psychological makeup, so Um, everything was more a surprise rather than something to be afraid of. Mm
0: -hmm. So, Uh, did you? um, You were just in the right generation for that. You were you were the post World War II generation, kind of. I mean, you were kind of World War II generation in a sense, but you were too young to be an adult. During that time, so in a sense, you were like the other people in the sixties and seventies that were, I guess, that's true. bringing on this different mindset,
1: like uh, the new generation. The depends new- on which end you are. Yeah,
0: and you are what you are. Just like you said before, you you sometimes do things unconsciously that are part of the the whole global consciousness. Yes. So, um, what was the next country after France? Oh do you know can you can you go through I all of them or is it a whole
1: chronologically mission? i can't uh, follow just it just
0: give me a list
1: i'll give you a list <laughs> um you've been to italy the... france um germany um, spain portugal i see and what what would you most say that your accent comes from I don't hear it so I can't tell you that. Uh, it's interesting. And maybe it is just a plain. You are a rare person. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. If you hear it.
0: I, I I can't say what it is per se but it might be mostly that once. It probably comes from your parents more than anything.
1: No, no. I was I didn't I wasn't with my parents. No. Oh, you were you were, I was separated most of the time. But, I was uh, when, living with other people or in doorways.
0: I see. So so when you moved to France, you separated from your family?
1: In France, I was with my mother in Paris, and then in southern France with her. But I had joined a group of children who were involved in the war, from an external point of view, of course. um, It was all subterranean. It was a secret that made it interesting and intriguing. Yeah.
0: Sure. And so, did you did you
1: find um, like a home with that group then? Uh, at times, at times I was a great deal alone.
0: Yeah,
1: I lived in caves and in fields, wow. and I'm got away. I found a way of tolerating whatever came along, and without any preconceptions. It was manageable.
0: Just like that's something that the young have a way of doing.
1: Young. The young people have a way of
0: just being like that.
1: Yes, until the adults of the society convert them to their neurotic selves. Yeah. Children are free and curious and really not afraid. And you could say, like uh,
0: plastic. They have a way, a plasticity where they can bend and. Absolutely, make it through a lot of they're things.
1: curious. They're not afraid, unless someone instills the fear. fear into them. They haven't had enough experience, and so for better or worse. Absolutely, but it was that way. It was okay for it to be that
0: way. So, what was? What could you say would be the next chapter? When did you escape this
1: sort of life? I think everything is purely a by accident. By accident. So, what was the. It next continues accident? to be in my children's lives. Oh, yeah. Because maybe it's just the lifestyle. Or maybe that's it,
0: something that you think everyone is, you know, you're comparing, but maybe everyone goes through life with a series of accidents. Well,
1: I think that's true of people in general. Rich people think that everybody else is rich, and the poor think everybody is poor. Yep. Uh, because they don't go out and find out for themselves, and yeah. there's enough time. Sure. So
0: um, could you think of when there might have been a point, accidentally or not, that you were went to another phase in your life? Like, for instance, when the war was over, and that you didn't have to run.
1: I don't think I ever stopped anything that I acquired. The caution that I find in use, the suspicion of everyone I meet... No one has a clean slate compared to my children who are free. I didn't pass. I went out of my way not to pass. My life story to my children until now, just as they are grown up, they are beginning to find out what my life was like. But at the time uh, the war ended, the Times had an article, don't pass your agonies on to your children. And you followed And I followed the advice and very happy about having done so. My children feel very free to go to japan without any prejudices uh uh, for the time being it's for the good
0: yeah sure and so so now that you are telling them your life story now
1: that i'm what telling
0: them your life story it sounds like it's fresh in your mind of of something that's that you're newly telling them about yeah and so like so now give me another phase give me something else what happened post-war or you, you know better than me what you remember. So tell me, what's the next thing you remember?
1: I'm working.
0: That's fine. You, what did you work?
1: I lied myself into any job that was available. Sure, as in the through commission. the newspaper. Where were you living? Because see, I wasn't old enough. I was only twelve, and they didn't hire twelve-year-olds at anything. And I became whatever they needed to have in the workforce, whether that was... um, Well, I I uh, have to
0: stop you here, because I'm talking about post-war.
1: Post-war, I became a waitress. Well, 1945,
0: 1946, you would have been 17, 18.
1: Yes, and I was a waitress. Where? In any place that needed a waitress. What, What country? Summer, no, here in America. Oh, in America. Summer camps.
0: Okay. I was in school. So you made it to America. That's that's what I was trying to yeah. ask. I see.
1: We so- made it to America and I lived in New York and went to school there. Okay. But in the summertime I worked at anybody who advertised by changing my age.
0: Did you have any family?
1: My mother survived.
0: Did she come with you to New York?
1: Yes. Yes, I had a home in New York. Did
0: your father survive?
1: Nobody survived. Nobody survived they don't they were in a region that was badly hit by the war and they didn't believe that there would be a war. They were farmers.
0: I see. And so your dad was my dad was and killed.
1: my we were a big close family. they all died. That must have been, I mean,
0: you were young, like you said, but that still must have been a real...
1: I carry it with me today. Carry, one yeah. does not forget. That's it's true. a good thing to come to become old if one works with the young to understand how much is carried over to another era.
0: Yeah. And so you carried that pain, but you decided not to give it to your kids. Absolutely. So did you start to get to a more established normalcy when when uh, when you started
1: yes. being in America for a while, absolutely. When everything you... was celebrated, how and did you meet your husband? I was on my I was on a trip back from Africa.
0: Oh, really? Another place? You you oh. really have been around?
1: I was I was free. I didn't have anyone to tie me down, so I traveled whichever way the vehicle went as a passenger. Yep. I had the money. So I hitchhiked everywhere.
0: So you went where the wind blew.
1: Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I felt that at home because people, I was young enough, about 19, as you said, that people, when they saw me alone, came to my rescue, assuming that I was looking for rescue. Exactly. A great deal of kindness. Uh, and uh, I mean, did you find that
0: mostly in America or did you find no, it everywhere, everywhere through
1: North Africa, all humanity, everyone was kind
0: to me. So that's a perspective that you probably uh, uniquely have.
1: I don't know. I didn't make any inquiries as you are doing. Uh-huh.
0: You I, just lived it.
1: Every day was as if it was the last and the only. All right. So you you were coming home from Africa and you met your husband. I met – I saw a boat boat. full of American sailors. Uh And in the middle of this boat, there was a beautiful girl. And we started a conversation. And she said, you know, when we get to New York, I want you to meet a man. I'm going to give a party. And that's how that happened. Uh And then they rode – off to Africa, and my boat went off to Europe where I saw King Farouk on his honeymoon on an island. All kinds of little exciting things happened (laughs) by accident.
0: Sure. Um, And King Farouk, fill me in.
1: I never managed to find out the lineage or what happened except that he was there on his honeymoon and there were no tourists to look him. King of what? Of uh, Egypt. Oh, okay. And uh, there were no tourists. I was in a Europe that had not yet received its tourists. So when I went to the theater, there was nobody in the movies or in the streets for that matter where tourists usually meet. Everything was empty.
0: Uh-huh, and you just happened to accidentally see this man.
1: Well, I knew it was how it was before and after because I never stopped going back to Europe. I went every year. I went home to America to work, but I spent my savings on anywhere where the where the the vehicle went.
0: yeah and so so when you did meet your husband, did that settle you down at all?
1: No, did you I went every year to Europe. Europe was always my backyard. With him or without him? Without him. He either couldn't get away or didn't really like to move around too much. Yeah, And that was fine with me because the, the urge to travel was greater than the urge to be with him. So how about kids? Did, when that, you had kids, did that urge, slow you down? He wouldn't get married unless I had children. That was the arrangement, (laughs) and in retrospect, I'm glad.
0: Of course. But
1: at the time, I felt that I was being a great sacrifice.
0: Sure, because you 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 were a very free spirit.
1: Yes, and time was everything, and time was the most precious thing, and I gave it to them. Mm -hmm. And now, of course, I didn't expect this, but they're paying me back now that I'm very old and gray. Two kids? So I had three. One was handicapped. Brought us all together.
0: Yeah. Just like... Very uh,
1: therapeutic. You know, the fellowship started that way. I didn't know that. I do not know anything about the fellowship. The fellowship,
0: um, Paul uh, Scharf's brother had epilepsy real bad. I see.
1: That explains the uh, other outposts. Um, yeah. Yeah. So basically, he he
0: started this place so that there could be a place for people like him yeah, that didn't have to be institutionalized That's but could have, have an environment where they could be taken care of by their community um, fellow. Their I'm fellow. glad
1: you told me that yep. because somebody asked me the other day how this happened. Oh. Yeah, and so what? your son, uh, like you said, brings you together. And like he, he, he said, Paul Sharp said,
0: that his brother taught everybody a huge lesson of how to take care, absolutely, and how to be together in union yes. for for taking care of people, right, and not being so inwardly involved in what about me?
1: That's exactly what happened to me. I was uh, describing the situation and its positive side, and somebody said, "But that's the way." Uh, I was just entering new here. Somebody said, "But that's the way the school is run here." So apparently, I reflect in my own mind. I, I don't know anything about the school, yeah. but it's my thinking. Yeah. So you reflected individually without crossing the same concept. I and I want every, wanted every day to be positive and take advantage of no matter what it was, negative or positive, to make it special.
0: Yeah, and so. Um, so, so that's interesting. I mean, so, so basically, probably with your three kids and especially one being handicapped, that really put an anchor on your life.
1: No, we didn't. No, I. My mother was a nurse, and she filled in wherever I wanted to get out.
0: You, your mother must have been very close to you since you. She took care of you my both kids. Lost everybody.
1: Yes. And my daughter happens to be a musician with the Philharmonic. Really? So she travels everywhere, and she thinks the world is her oyster. Uh, what does she play? The viola. Ah, I have no idea.
0: What does your son do? He has his own business. It's a pretty successful family.
1: Uh, very free. It doesn't matter if you take a chance and... Fail. You just pick yourself up and do the next thing. So, how, how Which, did- by the way, I want to tell you, is the way Japan was run before the war. It was full of fear of failure. And after I was adopted along the way, I was adopted by a very, very rich American family. And they brought in the manufactured goods from Japan after the war. They were marked in the five and ten store. They were marked, manufactured in occupied Japan. Ah. They made a turnaround about the fear of failure. And when with the Americans came a wish to go ahead and take a chance anyway in all of Japan.
0: Yeah, you know, Japan was a, a wonderful case study, you could say, in a yeah. sense. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's there's a classic classic thing in Japan is someone stabbing themselves in the gut if they fail, you know, uh, the honor and the, and the, yes,
1: as a result, their entire economic system was based on copies of what other people made. And you have to make, you have to fail a little bit along the way. Yep. They didn't have to take that chance.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Which worked good for them.
1: It was great for them. It and brought then, up their economy, and then, of
0: course, they ended up teaching us by the innovations they made.
1: Yes, by yes. By the way
0: that they could do it better by their by their economy, university.
1: the the look, the see, because uh, we was we had a certain largesse, yeah, that nobody in the world ever experienced. It's actually still exists today, yeah, and it's something that makes America so. Unusual. Oh, absolutely. I was adopted by the family who brought this stuff in. They became multi-millionaires overnight. And I lived with a very rich family who didn't know how to be rich. Uh-huh. Because they were middle class and they sure. couldn't make that switch. Sure. It was a pleasure and an education. Yeah. I mean, I, I almost think, wouldn't that be the better end of it? Oh, I was very lucky. Rich All people
0: my- that didn't know how to be rich, right?
1: They were, well, she said, thank you for being in my life. They picked up a street kid. That was me. I see. And uh, they gave a lot. And since then, I... Did she pick up your mother as well? Did they pick up No, you? my mother became a nurse right away and went to work. So she, she was ready to go. Oh, She spoke English fluently. She spoke all the... She had a good education, apparently. Yeah. She didn't want to talk about the past... So I could only tell by the way she conducted herself that they must have had money because she played the piano and spoke French and German, yeah. English yeah. fluently. Yeah. And nobody, no middle class people in Europe did that. No, I mean, that, that she is very special. Yeah. You could say.
0: So... Um, so I I see. So you kind of had this umbrella of this of this very interesting, unique family, as yeah. well as your mother, yeah. and so so you had a lot of support.
1: I had support and I had inspiration because when I left them, I didn't know how to say thank you. They had everything. So what did you you? So or your I created do? a club, oh, yeah. a it on club. Uh huh. I was a member, the only member, and the president.
0: <laughs> oh, okay. Well, that's easy.
1: And all the kindness. And material things that I learned from them, I have been living by. This became my way of life. And I passed it on to my children. So does that make you feel blessed? It makes me feel that I had enough wherewithal to make the most out of a hideous situation. I have never felt blessed. I have always felt that to do it this way takes thinking and a lack of prejudice, uh, letting life reach you, taking away the fear.
0: I I can see. I mean, obviously, by the way you talk, you have a lot of, of, you're a thinker. Yeah. And and, um, so I'm interested, like, what did this lead you as a profession to do?
1: Oh, that was led by no, for no such reasons. My mother's mother...
0: So, profession really doesn't describe you.
1: No, it's my mother's your... mother wanted me to be an artist. Uh-huh. I had no such wishes. I wanted to be a writer. But I, I wanted to make her happy. She was the only survivor. So, what did you do? I won all the prizes in the city of New York to make her happy. For writing? For art. Oh, for art. What and kind my, of art? Uh, Advertising, I had to make a living. Advertising art. Uh-huh. And I won. Every time there was a contest, I entered it and I won. But I worked very hard and I ended up being uh, listed in the Encyclopedia Britannica and I was very proud of myself. So did you find that – so you were really driven and capable. Absolutely. Of- I <laughs> molded myself to the wishes of grandma, who at the end of the war ended up dead. And my mother was not particularly happy about my devotion. And my attitude toward winning prizes was of no use. <laughs> <laughs> so so
0: it's very interesting. So, so you're almost driven by someone that wasn't there. That's right. And And that's almost more powerful than someone that is there.
1: Absolutely. It still drives me. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean. The possibility of making it is very clear. It must have been passed on to my daughter, who is now playing in an orchestra full of people of that thinking. Of course. I don't think there is. Driven. They're all, but they're all from different countries. Sure. I mean,
0: yeah. I mean, uh, it's, it's something that not everyone possesses. You know, and so so to be from other countries makes it just show how elite it is.
1: It's elite. Oh my God, if you you have to meet them. Yeah, I mean, I I could imagine. I mean, I'm, except my daughter, who's a farmer, because it goes back to the days when we planted peanuts on the front lawn because Jimmy Carter was. That's the kind of bringing uh, together and making and a, inspired, an event
0: and being inspired
1: and Everything. fulfilling it
0: okay so i mean sorry to to put the fast forward button on here but but of course you're you know we we are short on time today we are so so now um how did your life lead you to coming here what what was the point of no more like being able to take care of yourself no
1: i was still employed i i uh retired around the age of 80, I became a teacher of handicapped people and old people. So about eight years ago, you you retired? Yes. And I still get telephone calls from my students because I was never really a teacher. I was just a person who wanted to share myself with others. And this was part of my philosophy. Enjoy it. Yeah. To the hilt.
0: (laughs) So um, you've always lived in the New York area since... since We
1: bought some property. We bought land. Mm -hmm. Because I was going to spend a lot of money on my handicapped child being housed in a camp. So we would have been broke. So this way we created our own camp for the kids and for my handicapped child. And it worked out extremely well. It
0: sounds like it. And uh, so... Where did you live before you ended up moving here? At the same place? Before what? Before you moved here?
1: Here, Um, I lived in Forest Hills, Forest Forest Hills Hills Gardens, where they used to play tennis before the war. International Uh tennis, sure. And um,
0: so, so what was what was the reason you had to move here?
1: We needed lodging and my husband moved away. My husband stayed at home until we got married. So when we got married we had to find a place to live. I, I mean like when you moved to the fellowship? Oh here. It was by word of mouth, no research, no nothing. Did you did you come before you had to come? Did you leave Yes, I had nothing.
0: I mean, I'm meaning like were yes. you were you able-bodied and did you live in the outer oh, buildings? No.
1: I could come. I I quit my job, sold my house, divided it. Yeah. So there would be no fighting. Yes. Because somebody said that they fought over something and this wasn't going to happen. Yeah. And uh, this was another place of a lot of places I had been to. And and
0: what? How did you
1: hear about this place? It's. Difficult for me to say, because I was in touch with so many people, that this was just another thing that happened. And if this hadn't happened, something else would have happened.
0: Yeah. So did you live in one of the outer buildings first? Yes. Which one?
1: I forgot the name. The one down at the bottom of the hill.
0: Okay. Um the bottom of the hill. I
1: never learned the name
0: of it. Well, there, I mean, there's Meadowood. But
1: Meadowood. You were in Meadowwood? I was probably expecting to be there a day or two and then move on to someone else. It was my nature yeah, to yeah. move on.
0: It's very interesting nature. But it also is probably, it's something that keeps you young, right? I,
1: When I fell, I looked in the mirror and I was aghast to see an old woman.
0: Uh, I and can my understand. children
1: keep saying, oh, mom, you're so beautiful. And I see this hag. Oh. And uh, I decided to be properly old and not to do this again.
0: To to overestimate yourself.
1: Well, I did something. I never figured out how I fell, but yeah. I fell and okay. seriously hurt myself.
0: So, so what was the thing that brought you into this building? Was it was
1: it a fall? They moved me. They, they never told me. It was probably because you were. getting No, I, I had not fallen. No, I fell after. Yeah. Now,
0: I I think it would be interesting, and especially interesting to talk to you because you are so open. That um, you have admitted yourself that your your memory is fuzzy nowadays. You have a hard time remembering. Unbelievably bad. And so, so I mean, obviously, it probably would be hard to tell when it started. But how? What is it like to have a memory that's slipping?
1: Very sad. It was. It played. I think it has to do with what role it plays in your life. I found that most people repeat themselves. Yeah. In that case, memory has an, um, a leg up. Yeah. For me, everything is a moment event followed by, by another event. So it passes. So you, in a
0: sense, are, are you're not the planning type. You're no, more, it happens. You just happen. You're well, like, you, do nothing. Um, you know, there's two different types of people. There's warriors and warriors. And I think oh. you have like a warrior sort of. Uh, um, all, I see. Because you just go to the situation and take it on as yeah. it is. So with your memory, it's almost like every time you go to a situation, it's even that much more of a new situation.
1: Well, it's an event. It's an event. That you deal
0: with. What's it like moving from people to people, seeing people change here, seeing things like that? It's non-existent. It's not an issue. There's nothing that's fearful?
1: No. Do you find anything to be scary? I don't fabricate anything, and if so, I I find things are scary. I think this is a very difficult world to live in. But I am bypassing. I'm able to walk into it and take precautions. Do you
0: think that my be- children don't. Is it because of your
1: nature? No, I think I learned to be I learned what kind of a, I saw the world exactly as rotten as it is, and I felt I took steps to avoid it if, where possible. And so now that your memory is fading, you, it seems like you are well
0: suited for it.
1: No, it, it happens all the time. I I sat next to two people at lunch, yeah. and uh, if they had been willing to talk, I could have had lots to talk about. The only thing that stops me is the outside world.
0: The outside world.
1: It has removed me out of my conventional setting to uh, the place where America thinks I belong. <laughs> Which is what? here which is uh half uh comatose half comatose in
0: i a, would a, say in a in a state of 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 no no moving uh in a state mm. of of uh,
1: non non-progression mm, yes something like that oh, absolutely unless you fabricate it it's very little to find in conversation so do you think
0: that's a, an issue of people with with loss of memory or people of old age I think they're combined. Combined. And so if you have both of those then you really are put into a place.
1: It's difficult you'd have to study that because America is unrealistic. And I don't I am very curious about how I would be treated in France, let's say. But there is no one to consult
0: cuz cuz you're in a closed system.
1: It's a system. The whole, the whole country, the whole, all the mind, mm-hmm. is geared toward youth. Yeah. I don't know if the rest of the world operates like that, except my daughter, who comes, and brings me back information from Japan, or the 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 Philharmonic is going to China next, <sighs> so then I'll get something
0: else. Sure. So, um, is there any words of wisdom or something you can pass us on as as we fade out? I
1: don't feel that I have any wisdom, or that anyone is interested in what I want. It's just except you momentarily. So,
0: any any wisdom that you might you know you know say would only be accidental.
1: Absolutely, (laughs) and the people as it should be, right? I don't know. I can't. I have no except. I I am astonished how many people who had similar lives are willing to talk about it now Uh in an interview. Okay. And they really have something to say. Of all, I speak a couple of languages. Sure. So I'm able to communicate. And all these years, I've been getting extraordinary stories from Germans who were caught up in Germany without being Nazis etc
0: sure and so so there there's I mean you you could be a receiver of many stories and and so on and so forth and and I mean don't you find that you don't that there's a lot of times I mean you might not be in that situation but I find that I'm in the situation especially me uh, being of my generation and young that I hardly have the time to even have these talks at all and so what was the question? There's not really a question. Just, a, just the fact that we don't talk like this much.
1: No, there is no conversation. There's no time. That's right. It requires time. at least time. no time made for it. And it requires facilities like a table and chairs ah. and background music. I mean, and the con- country that has a mentality to find out what the other person thinks
0: to know your neighbor. Like this country Absolutely. is not interested in their neighbors anymore. No, uh, it's a very interesting thing. I, I'm, I'm curious if it's a country or if it's a modern, uh, a more modern. Like yeah, you you know about the internets and uh, the modern technology. And, I really and, don't and know anything. The information world, it's a, you're able to in a way you're able to find exactly who you want and only huh. be able to deal with those people, and you can exclude I everybody see. else. I didn't know that. And it's a, it's a sort of modern sensibility. It's
1: an exclusiveness
0: yeah. and that's for us. A, it's actually why I like this so much, because it makes me have a, make a point yes, of, of course. taking a time of talking.
1: A very rare, nevertheless. It's a, it's
0: a time capsule, in a way. You're
1: very lucky, yes. That's exactly what you are. <laughs> you what must have is. parents or someone who awake you to that, body of knowledge out there oh all i can say is
0: maybe the same unconventional soup that you were born out of was a similar unconventional soup that i was born out of
1: Well, i wasn't aware of it i didn't gather enough information at that age i I guess all i'm saying is i'm i was
0: raised unconventional enough to have an an open to open
1: your mind yes that's the only thing that makes it possible okay so last words Last words to your generation and any any
0: generation? All right, that's fine. There
1: isn't any, except that history repeats itself rather glaringly, if you're aware of it. Okay. And the United States is not heavy on history. (laughs) Very good. In fact, maybe the world isn't. All right. I thank you very much. I thank you very much for coming. You're very gracious and kind. Thank you so much.